Congregation, the title of the sermon is called um, Pray for the City. Well, most of us have had the experience of, um, of moving in t- times in our lives. Sometimes it's exciting and it's a great adventure, but it can also be very difficult and it always involves a huge upheaval in our lives. Well, when you move, it's really important to make an effort to settle down in a new home. You may have moved unwillingly. You may have moved because of your job and you didn't really want to go. You may have moved because your parents decided that the family was going to shift. Even if your move was not your choice, you have to make the best of it. If you keep looking back to the place where you've come from, you're just going to make yourself miserable. If you keep making un unfavourable comparisons between your new home and your old home, you're going to be unhappy. When you move, you need to look forward, not backwards. You need to get involved in your new situation and get to know the people there and throw off, throw yourself into everything that there is to do. Well, this was Jeremiah's advice to the people in, of Judah who had moved to Babylon. They had travelled a long way, over 1,100 kilometres on foot. And kids, that's quite a distance. If you started walking from Wellington around Lake Taupo up to Auckland and kept on going all the way the very top of New Zealand to Cape Reinga, that's the kind of distance they had to go. And they had been forced to move. It was not their choice. They had been taken away as exiles by the Babylonian army into a foreign land. And Jeremiah was addressing the exiles of Judah in the second of what, took, um, what would be three deportations. The first had occurred in 605 BC and the second took place eight years later. And it had, and it had included the king and Ezekiel and all the others that was mentioned in verse 2. They had been dislocated and were far away from family and far away from friends. They were in a strange place with unfamiliar customs and unusual food and even a different climate, and they longed for home. They longed for Jerusalem and the temple and the sacrifices. Their feelings were reflected in the words of Psalm 137, one of the Psalms of the exile. And then they received a letter from Jeremiah, carried by two men who were sympathetic to the prophet and who were on a diplomatic mission to King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, in these days of email, we don't really receive much postal mail as we used to. But if you're away from home, you're always glad to receive some mail. And here was a letter from home, from the prophet of the Lord. But it was not the sort of letter that they wanted to receive. It was not the news that they wanted to read. In it the Lord explained that he had taken them into exile. This, was not, this had not happened because the Babylonians were stronger or because the, the Jewish army had lost their nerve. This was God's doing. It was his action. He was behind it all. This was the punishment for Judah's ongoing unrepentant sin. And the Lord had done this. 
the false prophets of Jerusalem and of Babylon told the exiles that they're going to be home again soon. At that time there was just a lot of unrest in the Babylonian Empire and some of the Jews were involved in these internal troubles and at least two of them were executed as a result. Now, some believed that the empire was about to collapse and, and that they would all be going home soon. The false prophets in exile encouraged this idea and promised them that they would be out of there within two years. Don't build or buy a house because you'll be home soon. Just rent in the meantime because before you know it, you're going to be back in Jerusalem. That was their promise. Jeremiah, however, told them the opposite. He passed on God's instruction instead. They had to settle down. They had to settle down because they were going to be there for a long, long time. This was their new home. He said, build houses. You're not camping here temporarily. Make a permanent home. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Planting a garden was a sign of permanence. You go to all the trouble of setting it up and you know it's going to take a time for it to grow everything that you're going to eat. Marry and have sons and daughters. Some of the young people may have considered putting off their wedding so they could marry in Jerusalem, in their familiar surroundings. But Jeremiah urges them to settle into, a normal, into the normal routines of living and of family life. Increase in number. They were to do what they did when Israel was in Egypt a thousand years before this. The Apostle Paul had the same advice to believers in the early church at times. Some of the believers in Thessalonica were, were under the mistaken idea that, that the Lord would return any, at any time and so they had quit their jobs and were just hanging around waiting for him. But Paul told them to get back to work. No one knows when the Lord will return. It could be tomorrow or it could be in a thousand years. And this is true for us today. Some people think that the Lord's the Lord, no, that the return of the Lord is just around the corner, but no one knows when He will come. So we have to just keep busy, work and plan for the long term. We have to do that as a church, with our prayers and our plans, and our goals and projects. We need to plan for the next 10 and 20 and 50 years. We need to think ahead about the spiritual well-being of our children and grandchildren. The people of Judah, they had to settle down. They also had to seek the prosperity of the city. When they arrived in Babylon, they had three choices before them. They could have done what the Babylonians wanted them to do, that is to assimilate into the culture, to become Babylonians. This was the policy of the empire. And that is why Daniel and his three friends were taken um, to Babylon and along with more of the finest young men of Israel and Nebuchadnezzar, well, he wanted them to take on Babylonian names, adopt their customs, eat their food, learn their language and practice their religion. Daniel and his friends refused to do this. 
They did not want to assimilate like this. Another alternative was to isolate themselves from the pagan world, to to retreat into a ghetto, to withdraw into their synagogues. And many did this and became an isolated subgroup in the empire. Jeremiah urged them to follow a third alternative, and it was that of mission. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city, it says in verse 7. The Lord had always called them to be a light to the nations. But through their history they had ignored that and had not lived up to their calling. And now in exile they would have time and opportunity to think and reflect on what and on who they were and what they should do. They had been taken away from their land and cut off from Jerusalem. And within ten years the temple would be destroyed. All of this forced them to reconsider their place in the world and to develop a fresh perspective on what God had called them to do. What was their position, their task, their role in the world? The Lord told them to seek the peace and prosperity of Babylon. The word translated peace means shalom and it refers to the well-being of the city. Well, this went against the grain. This went against all that they had known and lived as a nation up to this point. They prided themselves on being a separate people. They did not want to associate with those dogs those Gentiles, they wanted to live in isolation. But the Lord was preparing them for bigger and better things. Daniel and his friends caught on to this. They refused to assimilate into the culture, but they didn't isolate themselves either. Instead, they took an active part in the life and government and culture of the empire, seeking to do good, striving to be a witness for God and praying for the king and the nation. Well, Here's a pattern for us. These same three alternatives lie before us too. We could assimilate into the world, and some Christians do that, to the extent that there's, there's no difference between them and the people of the world. This is a particular danger for Christian young people who may talk like the world and live like the world and party like the world so that you cannot tell them apart from the unbelievers of the world. And the Apostle Paul warns us against that when he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mould. Or you could withdraw from society and isolate yourself from it, like the monks of the Middle Ages, hiding in their monasteries, or like the closed brethren do today, shielding themselves in buildings without windows and secure behind high fences and gates. This is a great, greater danger than you might think. You may be tempted to give up on society, especially as it gets worse. But... Um, and you may be tempted to withdraw and retreat, to toss, in, to toss it in. 
as it's a hopeless case. But it's not the answer. Rather, we are called to mission. We are in the world, but at the same time we're not of it. We need to live in it and get involved and seek the good of the people around us, striving to be a a Christian witness, a, a salt and a light. This is your calling to seek the kingdom of God in your home, in your workplace, in your office or factory, on your farm or in your community, at school, at EIT or at university. Our society needs Christian mothers and lawyers and judges and engineers, businessmen, nurses and doctors and farmers and builders and and politicians who are seeking the well-being of this society who are working for peace and wholeness. You are to seek the prosperity of this city. Be a kind neighbour. Help out in your school. Become a volunteer in some community group. Donate blood. Drive safely. Pick up rubbish. Show love and compassion to those around you. Do good to all men. And this is true for us as individuals and as a church. Let's be salt and light, the salt and light that Jesus calls us to be. But it's not enough to just do good. We must also pray. Pray to the Lord for it, wrote Jeremiah to the exiles. And Paul wrote the same thing to Timothy when he urged that requests and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all in authority, so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and holiness. So pray for the Prime Minister, for the members of Parliament, for our society and nation. Above all, pray that people will come to know Jesus as Lord. Pray for spiritual transformation in people's hearts and minds. Pray that men and women would put their trust in Jesus and submit to him as Lord and join his church and kingdom. This was God's instruction for the people and for us today. We are to settle down in our cities and towns and districts. We are to work for and pray for peace. After all, this instruction the Lord gave um, them, after all this instruction, the Lord gave them a promise. One commentator describes verses 14 to 14 as, as one of the most powerful and intense promises of the Old Testament. God told the exiles in, in, of Israel that the Babylonian Empire would last 70 years. Well, that was given as a kind of a round figure, but it was very close to the mark. Babylon came into power at the fall of the Assyrian Empire and its capital, Nineveh, in 1612 BC, and it lasted till its own fall before the Medes and the Persians in 539 BC, a total of 73 years. Yes, the Lord had his plans for Babylon, but he also had his plans for Israel, these are expressed in, a, in the beautiful words of verse 11. For I know 
the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He planned to bring them back to their own land. Two years after the fall of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree allowing the exiles from Israel to return home. What seemed impossible for men was possible for God. Yet, that was not automatic. It was conditional. It was conditional on their repentance and their calling on the Lord and seeking him. If they sought the Lord with all their heart, then the Lord would fulfill his promises. This is what they did during the exile. It was a time of of self-examination, of reflection, of repentance. A time to take stock and to re-examine their lives. The Lord promised that if they would seek him, he would listen to them and they would find him. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is still God's promise today. Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through times of trial and difficulty for our learning. He wants to teach us the fruit of the Spirit. He he disciplines us for our good so that we might grow in holiness. He wants you to call upon him and to pray. And when you do, he will hear your cries for help. He will listen to your prayers. He is aware of your needs. He is available to you. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Jesus promised this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. This is the promise of the gospel. If you do not know God and you want to find him, and you seek him with all your heart, then you will find him. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. God will make himself known to you. God has plans for us as individuals and in our families and as a church. We don't know exactly what they are because they belong to the secret and hidden will of God. But we do know what we should be doing. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and follow him. Seek his kingdom. Love and serve him and love your neighbour. And if you're obedient to the Lord, then the Lord will will fulfil his promises to you. He will give you a place to live with him forever. God does not promise that he will give us the land of Israel. That was the uh, that was the, the Jews that was for the Jews of the old covenant, not for the church of the new covenant. Rather, the land of Canaan was a symbol of the eternal rest of heaven, and the earthly city of Jerusalem was a type of new Jerusalem that is going to come when Jesus returns. We are to seek the prosperity of the city in which we live, but we are also looking forward. We are looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God.
we are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. The Jews longed to return to their land and we long to go to our home in heaven. The Jews knew it would take 70 years. We have no idea how long it will be until Jesus returns and we receive our eternal and eternal inheritance. But that doesn't matter. In the meantime, there's just much work to do. We have a mission. We have a task to perform. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me. You will seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Amen.